Hey, welcome to Conversations with my dear friend, Jeff Conway. My name is Susan. This is A Different Kind of Walk. Hey friends, over Memorial Day weekend, Jeff was invited back to preach at Paoli Presbyterian Church on the topic of suffering. It was for their sermon series, How to Find God in the Dark. So this is our crossover episode. Jeff is joined by pastors Becca Bruner and Jonathan Mikesell. Enjoy the episode. I've called this series, How. We're exploring how, kind of in the Monday through Saturday realm of life, how we experience the presence and the power of God. Remember, way back when we started, we gave a definition for the spiritual disciplines, of which there are many, uh, and the, the, dis- the, the definition we gave was this. The spiritual disciplines are specific practices that we can take on that foster a growing relationship between us and Jesus, enabling us to change inwardly and outwardly as followers of Jesus altogether. And there are many, many, many disciplines, and more than we could cover in one series, but the ones we've covered thus far, uh, we started with the study and the contemplation of Scripture, uh, and then prayer. Those two kind of are more kind of inward disciplines, ones we do, uh, we talked about in ways that we can do those on our own, though certainly we do them corporately as well. Uh, and then we kind of moved outward, talked about simplicity and service, acts of service for our fellow human beings and for the world, and then evangelism, how we uh, use our words and our lives to share our faith with others. And today it's uh, it's a little different one, but I think an important one, the discipline we're going to talk about today. Um, it's less about kind of the things you could do, you know, to, for prayer and, 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 and study. You know, I talked both in those uh, sermons about how I set aside a time every day to read my Bible and a time to be in, in prayer. That's something I, I actively do every day. This is more kind of a, a way of life kind of discipline. Uh, and the, what we're going to talk about today is how we experience God and how we even experience joy when those times of life come along of deep suffering. And the reason that we included this uh, message in the series, though it's a little bit outside the the box, if you're going to write a book on the spiritual disciplines, some people don't include this, but we felt it was really important. One, simply because the reality and the, the prevalence of suffering Nobody gets through life without suffering. We all go through it. Some of us are in it today. Somebody that we love has died. Uh, We ourselves or somebody that we love is sick or or suffering in some kind of way. Uh, There's unease or unknowing in the world. We've certainly gone through a lot of that this year. All of us suffer. It's not an if, it's a when. And so we need to talk about suffering because of that. We also need to talk about it in the church because not just the reality of suffering, but the difficulty of it. Not just because suffering's hard, we know that. Pain hurts us, we know. But it's hard at a faith level, right? The question comes up, when we're suffering, it's sometimes hard to know where God is in the midst of it. Suffering more than anything else provokes those questions of how, 
could God allow? Why would God uh, do this? Where is God in the midst of that? Suffering provokes some really big, really important faith questions. So we wanted to talk about it because of the reality, because of the difficulty, but, but then uh, even more, and as the scriptures attested, and I said, I think you're going to hear in just a moment, we wanted to talk about suffering because of the fruit it can produce. You know, we, I, we said, and we know it, it's true that more than anything, suffering provokes those questions of where is God? How could God? Uh, suffering can really challenge our faith. But more than anything, what I have experienced and what I have seen in many of your lives and, and in many people's lives of the people that I love who have the deepest faith I know, they look back on those times of suffering in their life and they say, that's what did it. I know God better because of that suffering, not despite it, but directly in the midst of it. Suffering has the power to produce a deeper, more robust, more living faith in our lives than just about anything else. So we want to talk about that today. We want to talk about it uh, not just from uh, you know, our own lives, but from the lived experience of somebody who is going through it, somebody who we dearly love. And so uh, our sermon today is going to be a little bit different, a different format, um, as many of you know and are, are here for, in fact. Uh, we have our dear friend and beloved senior pastor, Jeff, here to join us, and Jonathan and I are just going to share in a time of conversation with him, learning uh, from his own life experience uh, the, how he has found joy in the midst of suffering. So I want to invite Jonathan to come up and join me, and Jeff here right in the middle. Let's, let's welcome Jeff with our applause. Welcome, Jeff Conway, uh, with us here today. Jeff served as senior pastor of Paley Presbyterian Church from 2010 to 2018, and uh, both Beck and I served on staff with him for um, me for all of that time, and Becca for almost all of that time. And um, Jeff, it's been a while since um, uh, many people who are here uh, have seen you and who have had opportunity to interact with you. So can you just take a few minutes to talk to us a little bit about who you are, introduce yourself, um, how you got here, and um, so that, that those, particularly those in our congregation who were not here when you were here, uh, get to know you a little bit better. Well, Chuck brought me here today. Okay. <laughs> so this is living dangerously because when Jonathan and Beck and I would preach together, the three of us, which we did three or four times, we always kind of had a lane and we knew what we were going to specifically be talking about, but they're asking me some open-ended questions, so pray for the two of them today. <laughs> um, but I will first just say, um, uh, and I mean this with all my heart, how proud I am of Jonathan and Becca, uh, and the ministry that they have continued to lead uh, in the two and a half, two whatever years since I've left, but particularly during this season of COVID where I've had the opportunity to, um, I already did have the opportunity. I would wake up at 6, 6.30, and I would click on Paoli service at 7, because it bloop, came on immediately. Barry, where are you? Um, at seven, uh, and I would watch that, and then I'd shower, and then I would be ready for um, 
uh, my service, uh, the church that I go to, which is St. Peter's Episcopal, uh, that my wheelchair can get to um, uh, right in our backyard. Uh, if you haven't been there, it's gorgeous. It was built in 1700. But um, So I was a uh, Presbyterian pastor for 35 years. I recognize almost all your faces, but I realize there are people that don't know who I am that are watching on, on the screen probably. But um, So for 35 years, I, I grew up in Oregon and then uh, did my uh, seminary training in Boston and started in Philadelphia, then South Florida, then Texas, and then the last, I don't even remember, is it 10 or 11 years I was here? Um, or nine? Anyway, somewhere in there. Something like that. Um, um, uh, but uh, Patty's my wife. Um, she actually opened the labor and delivery unit with some other nurses at Paoli Hospital um, when we were living in Swarthmore. Uh, she was at Lankanon. They asked her to move there and, and open the ward. Uh, so when we moved back to Paoli and she went to go visit them, they said, of course, we have a job for you anytime you want. So, so she's still working there. That's what she's doing right now. Um, uh, our two sons, so Barrett and Addison. Um, Barrett um, uh, was in Texas, but he and Amy both got jobs in Washington, D.C. that made Patty and I very upset to have them so much closer. Um, so that's wonderful. And Addison and Alexa live in Sandy Hook, Connecticut, uh, where he teaches eighth grade math. And... Um, She's in product development now. Um, Otis is still around. That's the black lab that I'm, you know, just waiting here for him to run off the cliff that we live near. But um, uh, and then, cute little Lumi is is with us also. So that's our our family situation. But um, but what I want you to hear most of all, and I said this, shared this with Carol wherever she is. Um, gosh, phenomenal. I watched a lot of services. The music that you have done uh, during this season of COVID has been phenomenal. Uh, the sermons that you have received and the care that you have received uh, has been outstanding in a season where, you know, I talk to them a lot about one-on-one. -on -one. That's where you need to be with a congregation. And there was a big wall that was put there uh, called COVID and how hard that was, but how they continued to push through phone calls and all kinds of things. So that's what makes my heart soar. S-O-A-R. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jeff, while you were here, you started to, to experience um, several physical difficulties and, and challenges. Um, could you just talk a little bit about what you were experiencing, both physically and spiritually, how that impacted your walk with the Lord? So physically, uh, Becca would come in my office all the time and harass me for the music that was being played. <laughs> and I was intrigued by the intro that you had for the um, uh, sermon series, which sounded a bit like smooth jazz. Uh, which is something that, you know, so that was a physical challenge uh, to me. Um, 
Uh, what can I harass you about? No, I, 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 I don't think there's anything. I, I, there are a few things, but I won't mention them. Um, but, you know, tr truthfully, as I, as I look back on, on everything that happened in my body and after nine surgeries and stuff, this really started happening in Texas, and I didn't realize it. So I would lose um, control of my left leg. It would just drop out sometimes. And I'd had three back surgeries, so I thought, well, no big deal. It's just, you know, some, and it was every six months or something that I would even notice it. So I uh, didn't, didn't think about it. But, um, uh, and that would happen here uh, a little bit also. But then... I did, and I'll, I'll apologize for this, and there are a few of you that I need to apologize directly to who are so caring and would come up and ask, are you having back problems? And I would just kind of go along with it and say, yeah, it's just not a great day or something like that. Um, and I'd already been working with a neurologist by that point, but wasn't ready to say anything. Uh, the church had gone through enough neuromuscular disorders uh, that did not end well and so I wasn't quite ready to to say that yet. They did know right away that it wasn't Parkinson's um, and uh, uh, the change went from funny movements to balance uh, to pain and when the pain came is uh, you knew about it when uh, when the balance came and I needed to use a cane um, I shared with the congregation, all of you, something was going on. Uh, but the doctors didn't know what it was. And um, when the pain came, uh, God spoke very clearly to me that I did not want this church, God did not want this church to go through a traumatic transition. And so I stood up here in January thinking I had a year and a half to two years um, and said, we need to start looking at a transition plan for leadership. Um, and then didn't know how fast that was going to move. Um, if you want to go to www.adifferentkindofwalk.com. Um, so uh, <laughs> that's, uh, um, it was going to be a blog, but it's turned into this blog podcast and people like to listen more than read so even the things that I write we're going to have people read those so you can just listen when whenever you want to but um, uh, I think I don't know how much I shared with Jonathan and Becca but boy was I angry those last two months and I was really annoyed at a lot of you um, uh, because you were trying to be gracious to me and would say something about my retirement. And I would just get furious inside, which people don't really see me angry, but um, it's in there sometimes. And that was there because I didn't feel like this was retirement. I felt like what I loved was being ripped away from me. So um, uh, God did another great thing in my life, which was not let them be a part of the last service that I led, which freaked them out because we always did everything together. Uh, but if you'll remember, I had David and Melanie over here um, uh, who uh, served 
communion with me that last Sunday uh, because they were the two that trained me in ministry in Wallingford uh, and are so special to me to this very day. Uh, and then I invited Patty and Lumi, not Otis, uh, to come up and said, you know, this is my present and these are the people that will take care of me. And then Blubbering Boy over in the corner, uh, I forget what his name was, um, and I looked over and that I could keep it together was unbelievable, but um, invited him up and <clears throat> said, this is your future, uh, and these are the two that will take care of you. And that was like a pouring of God's Holy Spirit upon me, uh, and I was done. Uh, and I just celebrated 35 years of ministry in four churches and traveling the world and visiting refugees and um, learning and studying about our faith and in various places. It was just, I was done. In fact, Becca said, why, why don't you do the benediction today? And I said, no, I don't do that anymore. Um, uh, and I mean that because um, I'm... I, I'm I'm fully happy, I'm filled with joy uh, for all those years uh, and, and done. Uh, so I can pray with you, uh, but the benediction is the job of the pastor. So uh, that goes to one of these two, and I guess you're doing that today. Is, oh, you're doing that today. I am. So are you gonna cry? I'm not gonna cry today. Okay. <laughs> no. He never cries, <laughs> never. So does he cry? Yeah, so seeing him cry that Sunday, like big cry, was like, how am I going to hold this together? So, yeah. Well, you, you just mentioned about prayer. And I know as you were going through all of that, particularly the uncertainty of not being able to get a clear diagnosis and not being able to get a clear sense of what was happening with your body, how did that impact your prayer life and your sense of the ways that God yeah. was at work in the yeah. midst of that? Yeah, so... Um, Two things that I'll say there, and I forgot to mention. So, I've diagnosed myself. I think these doctors are nuts. Um, but I have been accepted into a study at NIH, which is phenomenal uh, to get in there. Uh, the bummer is they are doing a study in the neurological department on um, long-term COVID patients, uh, meaning those that are experiencing long-term symptoms. So people like me keep getting bumped back, which I'm glad because we need to figure out what's going on with this long-term COVID stuff. There's no complaint there at all. Um, I, I read PLS and I still go, you know, they're just crazy. That It starts in one leg, it moves through, I, it, it reads like my story. So. But I have a few other unique things going on that, I mean, the body is fascinating, and I mean that. Uh, and even in the midst of pain, that I can have my leg crossed um, with shorts on and just see the muscles move and ripple uh, all on their own. It's just, it's fascinating to me. Uh, it's obviously the body not working the way it should, but it's just... Um, I don't know why that amazes me, but it, it does. And so spiritually, um, God prepared me for this starting in 1977 uh, when I recognized for the first time that I was loved by God. Uh, 
And um, uh, I knew I was going to share this. Um, and don't get mad at anybody because I totally get it. Uh, there were a couple people that came up to me and said, will you stop telling me that I'm loved by God? Um, I'm tired of hearing that all the time from you. Um, and I totally get it because that would be like uh, somebody who's in a liturgical tradition and would say similar things regularly in gathered worship uh, and say it's lost its meaning. Uh, so I got that side of it. Uh, but I also recognized that, huh, I wonder if Patty and I just decided because we'd said I love you to each other enough to just say, would you stop saying that? Because uh, I've, I've heard that enough. Um, so it was important for me throughout all my ministry to share that message because that is where I am grounded. I know that I'm loved by God. And I know that you're loved by God. And so that's what centers me from the very beginning. So in the prayer life, when you are grounded, fully grounded in that truth, uh, whoever you kicked, whoever you yelled at, whoever you had a bad thought about, whoever you hurt, However you hurt yourself, God still loves you. God still loves me. And so that was the grounding that was there for the prayer. And that's what I want for all of you. And as Trinitarian as I am, uh, meaning you would hear me end prayers uh, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, uh, not some other ways that you could end prayer, because that was so important to me uh, in relational poverty, that we have an example where there's no poverty in Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Creator, Redeemer, Sustainer. There is relationship. That's why there's no great, an egg doesn't work to describe the Trinity because the yolk, the white, and the shell are not in relationship with each other. Uh, there's a function between them, but I mean, there's just no great way to describe the Trinity because it's three, but it's one, and it's full relationship. So that's that understanding of not having relational poverty and why we focus here on ending that relational poverty. So ha you, you need to have that center first. And there are a lot of prayer practices, and I've shared a number of them with you, breathing prayers and be still and know that I am God and leaving off a word each time. And I could mention a number of things, and um, I apologize to these two people I love very much up here. I didn't listen to the last three sermons. <laughs> um, uh, it's just harder now on Sunday. I had that great pattern when you had it on at 7, but I uh, totally get uh, why, that, why that changed. But, um, so I don't know all the things that, that they shared about pattern-wise, but uh, I've had a spiritual director in my life since Florida, uh, pretty much continually. And, uh, and I've shared this with you before, but I'll share it again for those that don't know me. And a spiritual director is not a counselor. Uh, it's just somebody that's asking you about your prayer life. Uh, 
so that was so helpful from the beginning of this. Uh, because Bill, who's been my spiritual director since I've got here, uh, slapped me immediately and started talking about death uh, and what that meant and confronted me with death um, because we both kind of felt it and smelled it. Uh, what was going on with my body was not going to a good place. Uh, it was not stopping at some place. I'm not dying tomorrow unless one of you runs me over. Um, <laughs> Uh, or, you know, whatever. But, uh, well, I don't know that as a fact, do I? But anyway, I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying have, having death in front of you on the razor's edge um, uh, puts you in a different place. And um, uh, I don't want you to be in that death place, but I don't want you to be afraid to confront that and realize that because we all have that in front of us so knowing that that's what I was confronting um, through most of this not always I am not perfect I'm not always at peace I'm not always in full joy but over 90% of the time I have been uh, since I left. Um, as the pain has grown, as the weakness has come, as you know, all the challenges that are there, I feel closer uh, each moment. Um, and particularly in this language, I use God sometimes and Holy Spirit sometimes. But I, when I talk about closeness, I I talk about Jesus uh, because I shared with you that dream I had of Jesus a couple of times and and so when I talk about that closeness to Father Son Holy Spirit I usually use uh, the specific name Jesus in that closeness um, and and taking that in and knowing that um, uh, in the midst of all the pain that, that pills cannot manage unless I don't want to have a brain. Uh, we went there with the opioids and I didn't want to do that anymore. So I'm on medicine that leaves this here, uh, which is scary. Um, um, uh, but doesn't manage, I mean, doesn't take away the pain the way uh, the other meds did. So. Um, so it's just kind of sweet, sweet, sweet presence. Um, I was a kid who knew nothing about what was spiritual. Uh, and in 1977, when I was 17, that sweetness of knowing you're loved by God uh, became a reality. And I hope that becomes a reality for each one of you. Uh, and so leaning into that sweetness in prayer uh, and immersing myself. Uh, I read scripture. I wake up at 6, 630. Uh, I go to bed at 8, so that's not that big of a deal. So, um, okay, sometimes 730, but... Um, uh, uh, the first thing I do every morning is I just uh, open my Bible. Uh, I have a prayer book and I open my Bible. Uh, 
and I immerse myself uh, in a loving God, reading Old and New Testament, uh, not just you know sticking in one lane, but using the prayer book that helps me move throughout Scripture, uh, and that just continually bathes over me. Uh, and even when it's hard, uh, and even when I do get crabby, uh, and even when I just don't want to talk, uh, it's still bathing over me. Uh, and Patty and I have, have found that rhythm uh, of how we communicate through that. That was a long well, sermon. We, well, we appreciate the, the significance that Scripture has in your life, and we want to we focus on the Scriptures that, uh, that were read to us earlier today. And um, Becca's going to mention some, some pieces of that as we, as we continue here. Yeah, so uh, you rejected the Scripture I chose first, <clears throat> and that was nice of you. Uh, but because there was one that was more meaningful to you, and that was that, uh, those first verses from the... I didn't reject scripture. The way uh, you said that sounded <laughs> bad. Um, but I rejected your choice. I didn't reject scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, I still reject your music. But Which, um, though, even though you played it there. So the first scripture is powerful and good and very meaningful for a lot of people. It's about the thorn in the flesh that Paul... Experienced, And I said, you know, this has never felt like a thorn in the flesh to me. Um, uh, it's just my experience. And I would connect more to the first chapter of 2 Corinthians than 9th, 8th, I'm forgetting now. 12th. Yeah, okay. So in that passage, I was there's, close. there's a lot you can unpack from it. But it's, what really strikes me as I read it is... Um, kind of the communal nature of suffering, that um, it talks a lot that God consoles me when I suffer, not for my sake, though I get something out of that, but for the sake of others. Um, That when I'm comforted through a time of suffering, that then I can be a source of comfort to someone else. Um, And there's a lot you can say about that, but can you just talk to us um, about your own personal experience of that power of the community? Right. Uh, people that have comforted you, uh, people that maybe God has used the suffering in your own life to comfort them. How has the body of Christ been a part of your experience? Well, I'll talk about that that is not the body of Christ first, which has been interesting and has been a challenge. So um, living the way that I'm living, people uh, in my family particularly who do not have any understanding of spirituality or the Christian faith at this time. Uh, Remember I shared with you my grandmother Barrett came to recognize she was loved by God uh, at 88. Um, So there's plenty of time for people. um, uh, but I have been called holier than thou and judgmental um, because I live in this lane that's different than the lane that I should be living in. So I'm in pain all the time. I'm in a wheelchair. I lost my job. I can't drive. Um, my cat died. Now, you know, whatever you want to say, and, and I'm peaceful and happy, and that is foolishness to the world. 
So that is foolishness to people who don't understand that they're loved by God. Uh, so that's been interesting and challenging in that way. Uh, I'm not Mother Teresa. I'm not uh, Pope Francis. I'm not um, uh, Jonathan Edwards. I can go on with all kinds of heroes of, of, of faith. I'm, I'm, I'm just regular me. Uh, but I realize um, how I can help people. So, you know, I'm not the hero. I don't mean that in any way. But I'm not the guy that needs to say uh, there are children starving somewhere. There are refugees still in Lebanon from Syria. How come you have to act? I, I don't, you know, I don't do any of that in community. I just um, show in the midst of pain uh, that I know that I'm loved by God. Uh, and so that speaks to others. And so people say, oh, you're such an inspiration. I'm really not an inspiration. I'm just you. Uh, and I'm public because I'm in something like this now and I'm public because of position that I had. But um, uh, I'm just who you can be always, remembering and knowing uh, that you're loved by God uh, in the midst of suffering, um, that sure you can say um, uh, a complaint, a challenge, a whatever. You don't have to be Pollyanna, I'm not saying that. Um, and I'm in pain right now, my back is killing me. Uh, my rear end is killing me. Um, it is way too, and if I swore I'd say a word here, but I won't, cold in this sanctuary <laughs> for anybody to survive. But um, so, yeah, there's a lot that I could focus on physically that way and tell you and talk to you about. Um, and, you know, the Poor Patty. We have one of those beds that goes. So in pain, especially in the neck and the back, I raise the bed, and her face kind of goes into the. That, I don't know how she sleeps through. I don't. She just sleeps through it. I don't know how she does it. But um, uh, so I could focus on that, but that's um, uh, that's not what's to be focused on. Um, it's Jesus. It's God's love. Um, so Paul could suffer in chains uh, with Timothy and the others because they knew they were loved by God. Uh, and that's what God has taught me since 1977. He can do the math for you. So you uh, name-dropped your website a moment ago, which we want people to know about. We shared it. You mean www.adifferentkindofwalk.com? Mm-hmm. Okay. We got that out in last week's email. We will in, in the coming weeks as well, because it is really beautiful. Um, and it's, it's done in collaboration with Susan Alloway, who uh, is formerly part of our staff and just an amazingly talented... So I'm sorry for all of you, yes. but when I got this idea, I called her up and she says, interesting that you would say that, um, because I've just resigned from Paoli. Becca and Jonathan knew. I don't think you all knew yet. But um, uh, And she said, I would have time to do some short-term work that 
that you could pay for. So um, she's charging me way too less than she should. But she's phenomenal. And we just got done with an interview with a friend of mine in Northern Ireland who born raised and is still there. Uh, lived through uh, the hideous thing they called the Troubles, which is a terrible word for horrible violence. Um, and and so the next podcast um, that will be coming out uh, begins with uh, forgiveness that we'll be working on. And then I emailed the pastor at Mother Emanuel, uh, American Methodist Episcopal Church in Charleston, South Carolina, where nine people were killed in a Bible study. Uh, and he emailed me back and he said, sure, I'd love to talk to you about forgiveness on the podcast. So I'm, you know, who knows who I'll reach out to next, but, but I'm, I'm reaching out to people over different issues. That's what the... So we're not just going to... Fo- it's not about me. Some of it will be about me, uh, but a lot of it will be about us and what we journey through uh, together. The, the official name, and I want to read this just so I don't get it wrong, so that uh, otherwise you can come after me for that. But um, a different kind of walk, prayer, practice, and joy is what you've entitled that. And those prayer, practice, and joy seems like a little bit of an odd combination, um, particularly given the things that you described for us today. Where does joy, it's, it's that joy word that, that seems like a challenge in that entire description. Where does joy come into play in this whole process, and how is it that you can include joy as one of the pieces of that. So this is where I have to get angry and say, you know, Becca always told me on the Enneagram, I'm not a number four, I'm a number seven. And um, it's just a personality test. And a number four is a unique person. And a number seven is a person of joy. And... um, uh, when I was leaving here and packing up my office, I just happened to open this file, and I didn't realize that I'd taken, taken an Enneagram uh, earlier in my career, uh, where it was an actual long test and analyzed, and there's all kinds of writing about it. She was right. I'm a seven, a person of joy. Um, uh, but number four was second. Otherwise, I would have been miserable. But they um, all heard you. I was right. So you, you were right. You were right. Um, and you're listening to smooth jazz and worship now, so that's good too. But um, uh, so joy is not happiness. It's not silliness. It's not all those kind of things. And I like those things. Uh, but you don't get to be silly and happy in a hospital room all the time, and in various situations and all kinds of things. Um, uh, but joy is a deep part seed in your soul when you know that you're loved by God uh, that joy is there and even in the midst of trials and challenges that the scripture speaks of there's still joy uh, because of who you are, uh, a child of God. Uh, and so that's why it's so important not to make it a whiny story or a complaining story 
or I'm so great that I can deal with all this pain and still smile. Uh, it's not about that. It's about um, being in a relationship of joy uh, with our Creator and Redeemer and Sustainer. Being in a relationship of joy with Jesus. So Jeff, most of us gathered here and Jonathan and I have benefited from you being a person of deep prayer. Um, you have prayed with and for most every one of us. Um, and we want to be checking off, making sure, yeah, just about. So we want to be able to offer that for you as well. Can you share with us um, who consider you to be our brother in Christ, how we can pray for you? So, yeah, I mean, just, uh, I, I'm on the razor's edge. Uh, you'll see when they carry the chair down, I can still hold on to things and move my legs a bit, but uh, I fall a lot, and I don't know when it's going to be the last fall, and I won't get up, and this will be where I'll have to be all the time. Uh, so, it's not a prayer about um, uh, when that will happen, but... Um, uh, just a, a prayer to walk in, in, in sweetness with that. Uh, my mother's in the back row. Uh, she's uh, living with us now. And, um, uh, you know, she has uh, her uh, challenges that she's living with at 86. And um, uh, we want to make sure that we're good caretakers of her. So uh, that would be a good prayer. Um, uh, and then, um, you know, this is all weird, weird, weird for Patty, uh, to be truthful with you all, um, as I'm looking at a number of married people out here. Um, uh, she doesn't know what to do half the time. Um, do I just keep my mouth shut? Do I do something? Do I... So, there, you know, there's just a lot of pressure on her. Um, uh, out of function in the midst of that working um, helping with my mother uh, and thankfully um, gardening which gives her great joy now that she can be out gardening again well we know in the midst of trials and difficulties that the storms will not necessarily go away many times the storms will only increase but it's in the midst of those storms that we recognize God's presence, God's nearness, God's grace, and the hope that is ours in a risen Savior, Jesus Christ. So thank you, Jeff. May we be reminded of the presence and the grace and the hope of God.